Okay, so last week I had a question. Okay, who remembers the question? Okay, well, the first one is um, what the question was. Do you remember? Okay, what was it? About Satan. Yeah, there's Satan and hell. So that was that was a question. Um, Rico, can you go back there and then grab my 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 little um, case that bag? Is Satan in hell? Okay, what do you think? I see this. Okay. Okay. Not yet. Okay. All right. All right. Well, so so you remember the question? What's your what's your answer? Yes. Okay. All right. So I got yes. I got no. I got not yet. Okay. So look look, look at um First Peter five eight. Okay. First Peter five eight. Our, our internet went down. So. Look at, look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. So where is he walking around at? In this in this world. Okay, he's walking around in this world. Look, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? Now, go to John 14. And I, and I heard somebody bring up 1 Peter. Okay? What about John 14, verse 30? Let me find it here. So John 14, and then our verse 30. All right. Okay, look, he says that, um, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me. Okay? Now, go to Ephesians. Okay? Chapter 2. And look at verse 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So, the question, is Satan in hell? The answer is no. He's not in hell. And I like that answer. 
Not yet. Not yet. He's not in hell. See, we, we need to understand that. Some, some people think he's there in hell. And then, and then some people put God up there in another place. And I always hear people say, the man upstairs. You know, there's no man upstairs. God is all around. He's a spirit. He's a spirit. And he lives in us. In each and every one of us. It's amazing, you know. God can be in another part of the world. He's here tonight. And he's there. All at one time. The enemy, Satan, cannot do that. Satan cannot be everywhere at once. That's why the Word of God tells us he's roaming around trying to see who he's going to attack next. And then his helpers, those that f- followed him when he was cast out of heaven, are the ones that are out there working, doing the work of the the, the, the enemy, Satan, mm-hmm. the demons. So, I always think about that. I always say, how mighty God is. How mighty God is. You know, that Satan, I mean, he's, he's still, he, he can't be in two places at once. But God can. Now, go to um, <clears throat> Revelation, Okay. And look at chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And then look at our verse 10. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. It says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That time has not come yet. But that time is going to come. That time is going to happen. See, the lake of fire, that's hell. That's hell. Satan is not there yet. But when that day comes, when we get to this point here in Revelation, he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, go down. Look at verse 13 in the same chapter. Look at verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Who are they that will be judged according to their works? Who are they? They are the ones that did not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They are the ones that did not believe, did not confess 
they are the ones. And then it says, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Wow, death cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now look at 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whoa. The book of life. That's a book. It's a real book. Names are in it. Is your name in it? I praise the Lord. That song we sing, praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, my name is written in the book of life. Praise God, praise God. We probably, some of you probably been to school and then, and then they have the roll call. First day of school and then they call everybody's name. And then you don't hear your name. What goes through your mind? Wait a minute. Am I in the right class? Uh, is this the right room number? Is this the right teacher? You know, you, you begin to think all these things. And then they look through and they say, Oh, I can't find your name. Your name's not in here. Go back to the office. Go figure it out. Let's see what happened. Fix it. Fix it. There's going to be a time where the book of life is going to be open. Those that didn't accept Jesus, their names will not be written. But they can't go, they can't go back and fix it at that point. It's, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. It's already done. And that's, that's the Word of God right here. So, I don't know why I brought that question up. But when I, when I brought that question up, now I know why. Because all of that that, that I talked about, it, 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 it goes with our, our Rico. It goes with our, with our Bible study tonight. The book of Esther. And, and when I was praying and I was asking the Lord, you know, um, Father God, what, you know, what, 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 what shall we talk about? And that was the word he gave was Esther. I was like, Esther? Who's Esther? <laughs> and then, um, see, Esther. It's in the Bible. And, and everything that's in the Bible is from God. And everything that God put in the Bible is for us. And, and I thought, wow, Esther. Okay. And, and I began to read it. And I began to, to study it and study it and study it. And I thought, wow, there's so many things that came out of Esther. So I, I handed you um, 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 a piece of paper. Okay? If there, if there need more copies, go ahead and make some more. And I, and I, and I kind of jotted down some, some questions. Okay? But um, how many books? How many books are in the Bible named after a woman? Two? Everybody agree? Okay. What are the books, Lisa? <laughs> That's one of them. You're all women in here. 
You guys would be like, yes, there's a woman in the Bible. Who's the other one? Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. Ruth and Esther and the Bible. Okay? Now, if you look at that, that, that first sheet there, look, it says, Ruth and Esther are the only two books in the Bible named for women. And then, and then the providence of God is an important theme in both books. Both are historical narratives vital to the history of the nation Israel. Ruth is read by Jews at the Feast of Pentecost. Esther is read at the Feast of Purim. Now, feasts are important in both books. Relatives play important roles in each book. Death is essential to the plot of both stories. Each story has someone who stood in the way of God's plan. Whoa. Each story has someone who stood in the way of God's plan. Who's that? Satan, right? The devil. Remember? Walking around. Walking around to see who, may you, who he may devour. But more than that, he's trying to, 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 to mess up God's plan. And he's been doing it ever since from the beginning in Genesis. He started out deceiving Adam and Eve. To take that apple. See, he try to mess it up. Try to mess it up. And he, he kept doing that. He's doing that. He's doing that. And he's doing it. He's still doing it today. Now look, there, there are many contrasts between the two women. Alright, look at Ruth. Ruth was a Gentile woman from a pagan country who married a Hebrew. Esther was a young Jewish girl who married a pagan Gentile king. Ruth was a widow. Esther, an orphan. Ruth came to Israel. Esther was an, was an exile. Ruth was a Gentile living among Jews. Esther, a Jew living among Gentiles. Wow, opposite. Yeah. Ruth was a Priscilla. Esther influenced many Priscilla's. Ruth gleaned in a field. Esther ruled in a palace. Ruth was poor. Esther was rich. Ruth was the grandmother of a king. Esther was related to King Saul. Ruth gave life. Esther ordered death. Both were foreigners living in a land other than their own. Both found favor in the eyes of those who saw them. Both were taken into the homes of relatives. Both of their relatives were a blessing to others. Both were women of integrity. Both were submissive, willing to die in order to do God's will. Wow. Both were willing to die in order to do God's will. Both were dressed in special garments in order to make their request. 
Both brought joy to the Jews. God redeemed Ruth to perpetuate the line of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. God saved Esther to protect the nation through whom the Redeemer would be born. Wow, amazing. These two women in the Bible that God had used. How many of you read the, the book of Esther? Okay. And then I, I heard you. You said, can we watch the movie? Alright. Now, reading the book and watching the movie, are they alike? They're not. They're not. Okay. Was the movie based on the true story? Exactly, exactly. See, people hear that when a movie comes out, they say, based on a true story, and then they go and watch it, and they think that everything in that movie is true, which is not. It's just based on it, and then Hollywood puts in their own little agenda, puts in their own little ideas. You know, they put in all of that. And But the Word of God... Esther is the true story from God. True story from God. So, what, what, did, what did you get? Let me, let, me, let me just ask you before we get into it. So, reading the book of Esther, what did you get out of it? What did you notice about it? Anybody want to start? Okay, Shanda. Talking about um, so the, the the question where it says does Esther remind you of the Holocaust? Yeah. Is that what you're talking? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of you know the Holocaust, right? Yeah. Okay. What 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 was the Holocaust? Yeah. To kill, annihilate, destroy. God's chosen people. The Jews. Right? And, and, and here's a really interesting fact. Did you know that the way Hitler manipulated the people is the way people are being manipulated today, right now? Did you know that? Because what Hitler did is he shut down like all the newspapers. And then he put everything on the radio, broadcast it. So people would hear without even knowing. And then they think, oh, that's true. Look what's going on right now. Look what's happening today. Except for us today, you know, Satan is still at work because now we're, 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 we're us. We're, we're considered Gentiles, but we're, we're also considered part of the, the Jewish nation as well. See? So, so the elimination of, of our faith as a Christian 
The same thing in Esther's time is happening today, right now. The enemy and by and what Hitler did is exactly what's going on. Because where are you hearing the news? What 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 made you wear your mask today? Yeah, but where did you hear it? Who told you? What if there was no news? What if there was no television? What if there was no internet? What if there was no any kind of communication except just one-on-one? -on -one? See, we had to hear it from somewhere, right? And then, what do we hear behind it? We hear that it's, it's for your protection. And then not only that, but, but, but with the vaccines and all these things that, that's going on. You know, and it, just, just getting into God's Word, it's, it's just so amazing. So, but moving on. Yes, um, you know, thank you for bringing that out right there. So that was one of the questions that was here. What about anybody else? Anybody else that noticed anything spectacular? Okay, Lisa. <laughs> um, one thing I thought was really interesting was the juxtaposition between Esther and then Haman. Um, so you see the example of Esther and how she's obedient and how she's patient and how she is kind of prepared and living her way in the way that Christians are supposed to live their life. And then you have Haman, who's full of pride, who wants accolades, who wants to be adorned, almost like Satan, with, you know, with all that And then Haman, 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 you know, Haman, you know, he's a, he's a type of person in Esther who's the Antichrist. Antichrist. Say Antichrist. Who's the Antichrist? Is the Antichrist here? Is the Antichrist here today? See, Antichrist means someone who's against God, someone who disobeys God, someone who doesn't trust God, someone who doesn't believe in God. That person is considered anti-Christ. Anti Haman was a type of antichrist, you know. Um, so now it, it's, he's a type of antichrist in Esther's time, and then moving into now, today, where we're going to be getting into that period of time where Jesus returns. So I believe what's going on today, right now, it's like the red carpet is being rolled out. For who? For the Antichrist to show up. To show up. And he's going to show up. Now, here's another question for you. Will you be here? To see the Antichrist? 
while you'll be here. When does the Antichrist show up according to the Word of God? Okay. So, right now, Jesus hasn't returned. Okay? But He's going to. He's going to. He's going to return. He's coming again. He's coming soon. We don't know the time, the day, the hour, but He's going to return. And then when He returns, the Word of God tells us all those that are asleep will be taken up first. And then all those who believe will be taken up next. In the twinkling of an eye, just like that. And then those that didn't believe will still be here. And that's the start of the, of the, the tribulation. So when that tribulation starts, okay, the first three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to make his presence. And then people are going to see him as, whoa, look at this guy. He can solve all our problems. But then the last three and a half years, chaos, chaos, chaos. That, that's basically the, the, the tribulation there, you know, in that, in that period of time. So, and, and, oh man, but that, that Bible prophecy, there's, it's just it's so exciting because we're, we're actually living in it right now. And we're actually seeing these things happening, going on. And to me, that excites me because that tells me that it's coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Now, what, what are some other things that you've noticed in Esther? Okay, we heard about, you know, how it relates to the Holocaust. And then the different, and then Haman. Okay. Yep. That's also another, you know, we're going to get to that down the road, uh, what you just brought up about um, <clears throat> Esther. Now, what about this? How many times was God mentioned in Esther? Zero. What do you think about that? Why? Why did God put a book in, the, in, the, in His Word for us? to read, to study, and, he, he, and there's no mention of him in there. Why do you think? Okay. 
How many of you know that God is sovereign? Yeah. Sovereign. You know what that word means? Sovereign? Mm -hmm. God has supreme power and authority over everything. So basically, God is in control at all times. God is always, He's working things out for you. What you're going through, what you're facing, God is working things out. That's why when I say that His thoughts are higher than ours, we can't imagine. You know, we can just tell, we can just say to ourselves, Oh, why is this happening to me again? God, help me, help me. Where are you? Where are you, Lord? Why? Again, why? You know, we, we struggle with that. But God, He knows way much more than what we know. And if we knew what God knew, then, then we're not going to even worry about it. We're just going to say, well, we already know what's going to take place and what's going to happen and how it's going to work out. You know, so like, so like um, my sister back there, when you were talking yesterday or the other day, Monday, you know, when you heard the news and then you started to run around and, you know, try to get tested to see, you know, see, that was, that's in your own strength doing that. But know that God is sovereign. He, he's, he has power and authority over everything. He's in control. He's working out things for you in your life. And you're just going to be amazed. You're going to say, wow, God, thank you, God. In your children, He's going to work things out for you because of your faith, because of your obedience. He's going to work those things out. And then you're going to be like, wow, I didn't even know. I didn't even know this was going to happen. I didn't even know that this was going to take place. See, his thoughts are higher than yours. That's why here in the book of Esther, God is not mentioned. But we know that he's behind the scene working everything out. He's working everything out. He's working everything out. Wow, God is working everything out in my life. I mean, say that. Can you say that? God is working everything out in my life. I may not see it, but I believe it. See, start thinking that way. God is working it out. He's working it out. His thoughts are much higher than my thoughts. I'm just going to trust Him. I may not see it, but I believe it. See, start thinking that way. And, and that was one of um, Esther's um, and Mordecai, their attitude. They knew. They knew. They knew. And they, and they just went along. Let's go to Esther, okay? Go to Esther. Look at chapter 1. Praise the Lord. So we're just, we're just going to highlight um, bits and pieces here and there, but but I encourage you to really read it 
and then use that, that um, those questions there to help you dig deeper into the Word of God. So look at look at um, chapter one. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. Okay, so that was actually his name, but they changed it to King Xerxes. Okay, okay. So that's that one of those questions there. Okay, and um, in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles, the prince of the provinces being before him, when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan, the citadel from great to small, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple and silver rods and marble pillars, and the couches were of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of alabaster turquoise and, and white and black marble. And they served drinks and golden vessels, each vessel bring, being different from the other, the royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. And accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory, for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should be due according to each man's pleasure. Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in, in the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was married with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abatha, Zether, and Karkas, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown, in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials for the for she was beautiful to be to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command brought by his eunuchs. Therefore the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner towards all who knew law and justice, those closest to him being Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Mercies, Marcina, and Memekan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. What shall we do to Queen Vashti according to law? Because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. And Memekan answered before the king and the princes, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in all the provinces in, of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will become known to all women, so that they will despise their husbands in, the eyes, in their eyes when they report 
King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she did not come. This very day the noble ladies of Persia and Media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus there will be excessive contempt and wrath. If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him, and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the, and the Medes, so that it will not be altered, that Vashti shall come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. When the king's decree, which he will make, is proclaimed throughout all his empire, for it is great, all wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. And the reply pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mimikin. Then he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province in its own script, and to every people in their own language, that each man should be master of his own house and speak in the language of his own people. Okay, long, long introduction there. All right, a lot of names, okay. Um, so basically, there's a party going on. The king is throwing a party, okay. And, and then they had a little too much. He had too much, okay. And, 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 and when they had this party, he, he asked for his queen to be brought out. But she refused. Why do you think she refused? Okay, she had her own party. Okay, that, that you know that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, see, we got we got we got several men here, and we got we got more women in here. Okay. Look at look at this question here. I put on here. How were women treated in that culture? To be seen and not heard. Low class. Okay. To be seen and not heard. Okay. How were women treated in that culture? Okay. So if you continue to read on, what happens? What happens when she refused? Okay, when she refused, and 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 then and this what this brings me to this right here. Look at um, how does the king decree conflict with Ephesians five twenty one thirty three? Now let's go there. Look at look at Ephesians. Chapter five, and look at verse twenty one. Okay, look at 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now look at 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Now look at 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Look at 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and his, of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Do you see that? In the decree? Do you see that in that decree that was made? Because how did how did how did um, um, King how did he look at Vash Vashti Queen? Yeah. Do you think he loved her, as the word says in Ephesians, as, as a man should love his wife as he loves the Lord? I don't think he loved her because otherwise he would have had forgiveness for her. And then he doesn't even make up, he doesn't come up with her punishment. He counseled as an outside party, like those people who are visiting. Uh-huh. And then when she refused, all the other men were like, whoa, wait a minute. She just said no to you. And then if we go home, our wives are going to know that, and we're going to have all kinds of problems. You got to fix this. You got to fix this. So he, took this, so he met with his, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and it, so that happened, and then um, so the decree was that okay, you know we're gonna we're gonna put this out there, women submit to your husband, and, and so forth. But here in Ephesians, it, it's it's different. It's not the same. Now here here's what I'm trying to get at here. Look at look at the um, how many times does God speak? to the wife in Ephesians. I, I'll give you a I'll give you a, a hint. I'm holding it up right here. Well one at the end, but basically one. Okay? Because look, verse twenty two, wise submit. To your own husband 
has to the Lord. And that was it. But then at the end, we're, we're going to get there here in a little bit. But, but then throughout the next um, verses, it's husbands. Love your wife just as you love the church. And he says, husbands, love your wife as your own body. And then he says, husband, again, he's speaking more to the men than he is to the woman. And then down at the end, right there, that last part, look at verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So in other words, look, respect and honor. Is it given or is it earned? Okay, some say given. Okay, between a, between a man and a woman in a relationship. So do you, do you automatically give respect to your husband or do they have to earn it? Okay? After they've earned it. Right? Because, first of all, the, 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 the man has to love the woman. Right? Has to love the woman. And it, it's in, in my relationship with, with Sharon, as, we're, as we've been married now, Sharon doesn't want my respect. She wants me to love her. She wants me to love her. See, that's how God created us. That's how God created man and woman. The woman wants to be loved. The man wants to be respected. See, I don't go to Sharon and say, how come you don't love me? <laughs> you never say you love me. But when she respects me, man, I, you know, that really gets me motivated. That really gets me, you know, I, I, want, I want to do more for her. So, so what we can learn from Esther, right there when, when, he made, when they made that decree, see, it, it, it's not what, what's here written in Ephesians. It's totally different. See, how were women treated? How were women treated? But then look, how does this chapter frame Esther's journey? In, in the next coming chapters. And, and what this led to was, they say, they, they, some people call it a beauty pageant. Because when, when, when Queen Vashti said no, and then he, he went and said, okay, move to the side, and then go and bring other women, and let me pick another woman that will be queen. And all these women had to go through all kinds of, you know, to make themselves look beautiful for the, for the queen, for the king, so they can be picked. So... Back in this day, back during this time, 
these women that were that were taken, they were taken against their will. They weren't taken because they really wanted to go. No, they were taken away against their will. And if they didn't, if they didn't get picked, they didn't go back home to where they came from. No, they were they were sent somewhere else. You know, captive against their own will. But look, who who comes along? And we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna hear about Esther. Esther, see, she was she was so. She was so, she was different. The world looks at people on the outside. But God chooses people because of who they are on the inside. So all those women, it was all about themselves on the outside. But Esther had a different attitude. It was all what she, what she, who she was, her character, her character, a godly woman, a godly woman, you know, it, she was a godly woman, and, and remember now, God is behind the scene working all these things out, he's working all these things out, he's working it out, he's working it out, remember that scripture in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God. See, God is working things out in your life because He sees you on the inside. He knows what you're, who you are on the inside. And then He says, I want you. 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 To, to serve a purpose. That's what it means to be called by God. See, you're all called by God. All of us. There's, for me, many things I've done. Ugly, terrible. You know, I, I, I lived a sinful life. But God cleansed all of that. Because of Jesus dying on the cross. And by the blood of Jesus, made everything new. And then God saw me on the inside. When I went like this to him, I surrendered. I surrendered. I said, I, I give up, Lord. It's not my life, it's your life. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it. And I began to do it. I began to follow God. Follow God. Do what God has called. And that's what Esther has done. Yeah. God looks at the heart. Yes. God looks at the heart. God knows the heart. Just like David, remember David? David was considered who? A man after God's own heart. But look at David. You read about David. He messed up, huh? He messed up. He did some bad things. I mean, he was, a, he was an evil person there for a while. But when he repented... When he repented, he fell on his knees and said, Lord, forgive me. And just like you said, God looks at the heart. And God looked at his heart, saw his heart, and, and changed him. Changed him. That's why the Word of God says that he's a man after God's heart. 
Wow, amazing. Amazing. But this man, this, this king here was a bad king, full of pride. Full of pride. Party, money, all these things. But that's not who God is, huh? He's not about that. He's not about that. He's not about that. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, basically, this last one right here. How does our culture value men and women? How can we as Christians model a different way of valuing people? See? Today, people value men and women differently. 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 But you're a child of God. You're a child of God. How can we model a different way of valuing people? How do you treat people? Like yourself? Is that what you said? Kindness and love. Oh, yeah. Kindness. Love. Mm-hmm. Compassionate. Yeah. See, remember we, we talked about these past couple of weeks of dealing with people. Dealing with people. You know? You, you, deal, you should deal with people just as the way God sees them. And then value them just as the way, you know, who they are. Who they are. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay, you know, there's, there's other questions in here. And um, I'm, you know what? Let's finish with this one right here. I really want to get to this one. There, there's, a, there's another part where, um, where Esther hid her identity. Did you read that part? Because Esther was a what? A Jew, right? And then when she, when she went before the king, she didn't tell him. Mordecai told Esther, no, don't tell him. Why? Why? You know, it's all on God's timing. Write this one down. Proverbs 11.13 and then Proverbs 13.3. We're not going to go there, but I want you to read that according to that question right there. Why do you think Esther hid her Jewish identity? And then read Proverbs 11, verse 13, and then... Proverbs 13, verse 3. Thank you for, 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 for being so faithful. We're going to finish with this one right here. Look at, look at that question right there. Mordecai is a Benjamin, Benjamite and a descendant of a man named Kish, which tells us is King Saul's father. Haman is described as an Agagite, which would be descendant of Agag, the Amalekite. How does this understanding frame our understanding of Haman and Mordecai's relationship? Okay. So Mordecai is a descendant of a man named who? Kish. Okay. Now this this is King Saul's father. Kish is King Saul's father. Now, when you read these verses right here that I put right there in the parentheses, it's going to tell you about the descendants and then the Amalekites. Remember the Amalekites? They were, they were to kill. They, they always went after the Jewish people. I mean, they were like their worst enemy. And then one day, God told 
Saul and said, I want you to kill everything that they are. You know, men, women, children, their livestock, everything. Get rid of it. Annihilate them. And God was there with Saul to do it. But then, you know what Saul did? He didn't obey God. He didn't. And he didn't obey God. Now look. Look what happens. The descendant of the Amalekite comes back. And that's who um, Haman is. That's who Haman is. Now look what Haman trying to do. He's trying to do, he's trying to finish what the Amalekites couldn't finish. And now he's trying to do it again. And I thought, wow. What we can learn from this right here is that God tells you to get rid of everything. Who you are, who you were, get rid of it. No more. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. But if you keep hanging on to those things, eventually, one day, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to catch up with you. It's going to catch up with you. I used to use alcohol. And if I were to continue to hang on to that as a child of God, it's going to catch up with me. I used to smoke cigarettes. And, and one day I, I, I prayed, and at one day the Holy Spirit just told me, what are you doing? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I thought, whoa. Let go. Let go. I used to gamble. You know, and I thought that was okay. I, went, I gambled and I went to church. Nothing wrong with it. But God showed me something different in His Word. His Word doesn't say don't gamble. But what causes, what comes out of it? Greed. Pride. All these things. You know? And if you hang on to it, if you hang on to it, one day it's going to catch up with you. One day it's going to catch up with you. That, that scripture right there, that verse right there about, about Haman and Mordecai. Let go of it. Let go. Let go. Let go. Don't hold on to it. And then, as we read in Ephesians, not just between a man and a wife, but in relationship. Relationship. When somebody says something to you, let go of it. Don't hold on to it. Now, I, I, I heard this illustration. When, when, okay, I'm going to use me and Sharon as an example. She says something to me. Oh, man, why would you say that to me? Ah, I grab it and I hold on to it. I don't let go of it. And I stick it in the ground right here. Because I'm holding on to it. And then she says something again. Oh, man. I grab it. I don't let go of it. I stick it in here. 
and I keep sticking them in here like this. What am I creating? I'm creating a wall. <laughs>